<laughs> would you would you like me to slap you when you look like you're best <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, episode number etc. It's the Tree of Life. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Dave. I'm Joel. And I'm Austin. And just like the Tree of Life, our podcast never stands still. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) So what's happening this week? Let's move on. Okay, right, listen, I've been trying to experiment recently and trying to incorporate the tagline of the film that we're putting on trial. Let's keep it movie related. It's movie related. That's the tagline of the film. It's not my fault that it doesn't work as a punchy joke. Anyway, but it's listen. not the only thing that doesn't work with this film. Let me tell you. Hey, Dave, <laughs> right, like, save it. Order, order, order. Listen, right, if you've never heard the show before, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. But there'll be a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans, 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 shenanigans. including shenanigans. <laughs> uh, some terrible songs, some worse impressions, um, some quizzes, uh, banter, and of course a film getting put on trial. But before any of that. Let's have some news. That twinkle, twinkle little star. That sounds a bit <laughs> it like sounded it. like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, uh, what a wonderful world, but I biffed it up. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, like, honestly, I, just before we started, I was like, oh shit, I don't have a song on the xylophone. Uh, I I don't know what the theme to Tree of Life is. I just thought of a, a song with the word tree in it. And he says, I see trees of green, doesn't he? He does. Oh, good, f- good connection. Yeah, oh, you know what? I'm fed up with this. Right, I'm fed up with this. No, I meant it. Sure. You know what? Next week, you're doing all of the admin. And, you, and let's see how well you do it. Done. No. Anyway, right. So what we do here is we go... So you've got me angry now. What we do here is we go around in a circle and we all discuss a piece of news or something that's happened with regards to films over the past week. And we all have a little bit of a discussion. And looking around at the panicked expressions of everybody in the room, I can tell right now that none of them have got any news so thanks a lot guys um, so I'll just lead with my piece of news and we can discuss that and my news was that I went to go and see Ready Player One the other day oh. uh, so I thought I could do a little bit of a no spoilers review hashtag no spoilers <coughs> review um, yeah I, I, I thought it was it was good I went to the cinema on my own for the very first time I was uh, whatever yeah, no yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that the first time you've ever gone to the cinema on your own yeah, didn't, yeah, yeah. didn't you work at the cinema so technically you've been at the cinema on your own plenty of times not not really you know because you're not alone there you've got to kind of walk around and flash a, a torch on people who... <laughs> glad you added the torch on the end of that <laughs> so how did you find going to the cinema on your own um, I, you know at first I was very very nervous and then I realised I don't give a shit what anyone thinks yeah. and then I got in there and I was the only person in there bearing in mind it was the opening night as well um, but it was it, it was it was a, it was in Croydon though it, yeah it wasn't yeah so it was in Croydon so I don't know how popular that theatre is and you know with 10 minutes like even like 5 minutes to go I was still the only person in there on my bill and then like a load of people come in and I was just sat there on my own uh, so uh, <laughs> true story <laughs> yeah so the thing is that you know like if I was feeling nervous about walking into a cinema on my bill beforehand oh, being right, the yeah. only person <laughs> like a mob walks in like did you get up and sit next to them <laughs> <laughs> no, i just sat behind them and massaged their 
shoulders gently. How, how was the film, Gav? Uh, the film <laughs> was interrupted after five minutes because there was a fire in the building, so we had to, we had to evacuate. <laughs> so I stood outside for 25 minutes debating whether or not to just go home. Um, uh, but I actually went back in and I was glad that it did because I thought it was very enjoyable, to be honest. Did they restart it after the fire? They did restart it in the exact same place, so props to the guy. Um, but, you know, it was actually it was actually really good. It was kind of a classic sort of Spielberg tale. Um, you know, I mean, I've seen a few Spielberg films recently that you know haven't maybe been up to scratch, and I didn't know what to think about this one because I don't really like overuse of CGI in films. And oh wow! I, yeah, no. And this is essentially ninety-two percent CGI. <laughs> so uh, only ninety-two. <laughs> one thing I saw from the trailer is they they've got loads of cult characters right from the from ev- from forever yeah yeah pitch up so how does that work when they like meld them all in i saw freddy krueger at one point oh it's really good so essentially it's about this um online world called the oasis that everybody just kind of retreats into so it's in a few years time and the world's gone to shit essentially and this big company uh, own this virtual reality world called the oasis and you can be who, who you want to be in there you can do what you want to do you can gamble all day you can go you know play mario kart there's a bit where you can actually go rock climbing with batman you know it's, it's like loads of different things you can do but that, that famous rock climber <laughs> <laughs> uh, no but it's just showing you the scale of things that you can do and possibilities that, that you can have there and you know there's it's full of pop culture references because the guy who created the oasis was like a massive movie and games buff you know and he was brought up in the 80s so it's just crammed full of stuff so you see gremlins at one point you see you know as as brucey said there's uh, you know freddy krueger there's also jason from friday the 13th the iron giants in there. the iron giant yeah so it's packed full of uh, of um, references to pop culture and it's quite fun actually watching it because you're like oh was that whatever and you know it's like sort of like some blink and you miss it sort of moments but it was actually a, a lot of fun uh, I thought the cast was really good um, the only thing I'm a bit um, kind of apprehensive about was the, the two leads I think uh, because they spend so much time as the CGI characters I, I didn't really feel like I had a connection with them um, so you know when things happen to them later on in the film I didn't really feel like I was that arsed or as arsed as it could have been if it would have been you know their actual um, the actors throughout the entire film um, but you know like the, the uh, bad guy is uh, Ben Mendelsohn he does a really good job um, I, I won't spoil um who, who the other cast are because a lot of it's like a surprise because you're just introduced to these people as their avatars in games um so when they appear later on and they're not you know what you'd expect you know it's a bit of a you know kind of joke um but Bruce, you probably hate it because uh, Sam and Peg's in it, um, mm. and it's got loads of explosions. Has he got a big? Has he got a big role? Uh, not, 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 not really. He's just kind of uh, is, is a flashback thing. He was kind of best friends with the um, the guy who created it, who is played by um, I've forgotten his name now. He's uh, Mark Rylance. Oh, I like Mark Rylance. Yeah. Don't so, like but it was like kind of back to basics for Spielberg. The formula, the story was on point. You know, you, you, it was kind of reminded me a lot of ET, as in like the kind of structure of that um, of that film. You know, the sort of like there's the bad guy who the very corporate bad guy is trying to shut the good guy down. And he's trying. You know, it was it was a very sort of classic Steven Spielberg formula. So, out of ten, uh, out of ten, I, I I really liked it. To be honest. Um, probably more so than I thought it was going to. So I think that's why I'm going to give it a fairly high score. So maybe eight out of 10. Nice. Really well. Cool. Yeah. Right. Um, because going in, I was kind of thinking like, I really can't be asked for this to be honest, but I've got nothing else to do. So <laughs> why not? And then the fire alarm happened and everything. And it was just like, I'm not feeling this. And uh, yeah, I was just pleasantly surprised. Sorry, pleasantly surprised. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. Eight out of 10 or 
eight thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, are you guys going to go and watch it? No. Yeah, I think I... Well, actually, I don't know. I will watch it at some point, whether that's when it's out on, you know, kind of streaming. Nobody actually really pays for much stuff these days, do they, in terms of Blu-rays? They just stream it online. It's a tricky line we're walking along here. Uh, <laughs> I kind of meant, I meant on I like Amazon or Netflix yeah, yeah, or whatever. Sure. But um, the only news I had actually was... Uh, I've I've been kind of keeping up with a film called A Quiet Place, you know, John Krasinski. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's it's apparently got really good reviews and I thought the trailers all look really good and stuff as well. Um, and I read like a little piece saying he, he was heavily influenced by Jaws on it, kind of like as in the shark is much scarier when you don't see it, you know, yeah. like the build-up mm-hmm. music and all the tension that it builds and all that type of stuff. So apparently he took heavy influence from that film and like all the reviews so far have, have been really good i think it's on 100 uh, percent on rotten tomatoes at the moment so has it even been released though it's out this friday i I've think or this it. thursday is it, so is it a shark movie no it's a it's a horror film basically where you make any type of noise there's some type of creatures that are, are a lot in the yeah. world um, it looks brilliant and they yeah. kind of live in isolation like him and his family unable to speak yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, oh, that sounds really good. Yeah, yeah. so it, a, a lot of it's like a silent yeah. film. To be honest, it yeah. looks really good. Um, I, th- yeah, I, I think thought, that's quite unique as well, isn't it? I thought the trailer film looked really good. Like, sounds like a really yeah, tense yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. Great. So yeah, I'm probably going to see that. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Come in. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do yeah. it now. Let's yeah. just do yeah. this. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for that, Joel. Uh, I take it back when I said nobody else had news. I won't embarrass you too, though. But hang on, Aussie. Okay, can you smell that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> It's never going to get old. What's the rock cooking this week, Ozzy? So, uh, it's in all of the news articles everywhere you can see. If you type in Dwayne Rock Johnson this week, it's that he's, um, he's come out and uh, revealed to everyone how he struggled with depression after watching his mother's uh, attempted suicide, and he encourages men everywhere who suffer from depression to... Uh, Open up and seek help. He says, "Don't um, don't bottle it up. You should, uh, you know, everyone's here for you. Start listening." So with that, I did a little bit more searching to see if there's anything else around. I thought it was quite heavy. I mean, it'd be good to talk about. So every single news uh, publication runs with that, except for the Daily Mail. What do you think the Daily Mail has got about Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Oh, oh God, I don't even want to think. I can't about. even think. Dwayne the Rock Johnson reveals he's got a crush on Frances McDormand and plans yeah. to marry her. <laughs> It's better than Genuinely. I thought it might be. And, yeah. and then worse. when I've, I've just read the article, like this is probably the only Daily Mail article I've ever read. And um, it was a f- throwaway comment on the, the Ellen DeGeneres show where he says something about, oh yeah, yeah, she's lovely. Um, oh, me and my wife think that I should marry her instead. Oh, and, wow. it was, and it's a tiny I, little sentence and they've made... I would love uh, to be a journalist sometimes because you just, you just bullshit, don't just you? Just go on Twitter, make sure. I think. Just, me, just yeah. literally up. Like, I just can't believe that they've gone with that and everyone else has gone for the, like a genuinely very, very good article I mean, here about uh, him suffering from depression since he's been, uh, from when he was 15 uh, onwards. And, uh, and yeah, really opening up. I, I don't want to worry about like, like, like libel, but the Daily Mail can just straight up go f- itself. But yeah. on, the, on the depression thing... Got that. Uh, <laughs> like, on, on the depression thing, I think that's amazing that The Rock's come out to say about that. I think that's like, it's a really good role model in the sense of like, what, he's just this macho 
alpha male and he's coming out talking about depression i think that's like fun like a really fantastic thing i i to be honest since we started the rock news i, I fall in love with him a little bit more, bit more <laughs> yeah, each week. yeah. yeah I, I think that's really really positive i think that's you know this is this guy is the biggest action star in hollywood you know as you said this is like a big sort of like like action hero essentially so for someone to like that to come out and admit that he has battled depression and he, you know he still experiences it every now and again i think it is really important because it might give uh, men who you know as you said are alpha males and just like oh yeah bottle it up and you know big men don't cry and all that it might give them the kick that they need to actually be open be more honest about how they're feeling and discuss their emotions with their friends and their family it, it's a very positive message but also if you enjoy eating just have a look how much The Rock eats per day and <laughs> you'll realise your dreams can actually come true. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to do a lot of exercise so as well. You can, you yeah, can it's battle depression, you can eat everything and still look as good as The Rock. Yeah. You, I'm but guessing he, does, he exercises about 20 hours oh, it, a day. Right? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, he's obviously on like a very high kind of protein diet, but it, yeah. it's a serious amount of food that he eats something like you know, 10, 15 steaks. He eats like, you know, <laughs> he eats loads of dirty stuff as well. You know, he yeah, has like yeah. pies and burgers and all that, that type of that, stuff. Man. But because like, you know, he, but he, he does exercise six hours a day though. So, you know, <laughs> Oh yeah. It's yeah, all yeah, like, you can eat whatever the hell you want, food. but exercise six hours a day. That's the bit that I can that's exercise the... about six minutes a day. To be honest. <laughs> yeah. Any, anyway, right. Uh, well, thank you very much no for, the, for that, uh, Austin. Uh, <laughs> maybe we should like pre-record that and then we can just drop it in all the time I know it's, it's all about the live performance you know what I mean it's like you know <laughs> anyway uh, right so so thank you very much everyone um, that was the news uh, oh, I can't even be asked playing that one again you know it's it's all getting too much it's just me playing a variety of different children's instruments every week <laughs> so um, so what I've uh, um, so if you've never heard this show before, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. Uh, the film is pulled out of the hat at random and uh, also uh, the roles are pulled out of the hat at random as well. Um, so this week in the role of defense and trying to get the tree of life placed on the hit list is Alex in the role of prosecution and trying to get the tree of life placed on the shit list is Dave uh, acting as character witnesses are Joel and Austin. Basically they're going to give their genuine opinion about the film and just try and throw a bit of weight behind either side of the argument. And in the most important role of the week is my good self. I will be playing the role of the judge. And basically my job is to listen to the arguments that are put forward to me and decide which list the film should be placed on based solely on the arguments and not my own opinion which is good because i've never actually seen the tree of life so i am really looking forward to this to be honest this is going to be all about your arguments so if it goes on the shit list you should be very very embarrassed (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) okay okay so I thought we'd introduce a new element to the uh, to the show. Uh, so every week uh, we decide to read out the synopsis of the film to give the listeners a bit of an understanding or an overview of what the film is actually about. Uh, each week, it's usually myself doing a really terrible impression. Uh, but what I've decided to introduce is something I like to call the Wheel of Impressions. And what I've got here is a nice little homemade uh, wheel that I've created. And on it is the list of all of us here. 
<laughs> he, he, has, he has made a little wheel. He, he's basically just written our names in a circle. <laughs> so so what I'm going to do is I'm going to spin. Uh, the I'm going to spin. Going to spin the wheel, <laughs> and whoever it lands on has got to do an impression. Uh, of course, it's got to read out the synopsis in, a, in, a, in an impression. Okay. It's like the second worst game of Spindleball. <laughs> what was the worst? <laughs> if we were actually playing Spindleball. <laughs> well, you don't know what we're up to after this show, to be honest with So, reading out the synopsis this week is... Aussie. <laughs> so, Austin, um, has anybody got a, a suggestion for how Austin should uh, read the Texas accent. Texas accent. So, very, very general, Aussie. We've been very good to hear. So, please give us an, a bit of an idea about what the film's about. Okay, I'm not sure what a Texas accent is. I'm just going to go Cowboy. The, the story of a family in Waco, Texas, in 1956. The eldest son witnesses the loss of innocence and struggles with his parents' conflicting teachings. Oh, that was lovely. Good. Civil yeah. War, but I loved it. it was, like <laughs> bit of a Brad Pitt element to it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Joel approves. <laughs> okay, right. So, right. I want a fair and honest fight here, guys. No bullshit, or I'm going to throw you out of court. Oh. Right. Starting with anybody first. Right. Defense. Let me have it. Right. Uh, I love the Tree of Life. I've, and to be honest, like since we started doing this podcast, I've been looking forward to doing the Tree of Life at some point. And also because I know that's bullshit. <laughs> Judge, I mean, that, he's, a, he's a fucking character. Just carry on, carry on, carry on. Right. not here. Um, like this is—is is that a machine shop? Like for me, this is cinema at its absolute purest. Right, I, I absolutely love this film. It's just—it's just perfect. Can, can I please ask? Quiet in the court. Stop laughing. I'm an absolute <laughs> dickhead. I'm like a sentence in, a fucking sentence in. Right. It has like, it's completely divided critics, but I think Dave and I are a very good example of this because we have absolutely polar opposites uh, experience. I remember like when I, when I went to see it in the cinema, it just bowled me over. I just thought it was incredible. And I remember like, I think I came back from Cambridge, I saw Dave and I was like, oh my God, have you seen a tree of life? And he was like, yes, I have. It's completely shit, you know? So, <laughs> like, but it, 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 oddly enough, I think we've just got pissed and shouted that we think it's great or think it's shit. We've never really sat down and discussed it. So I'm really, I'm quite looking forward to just I think we just ended up shouting piss and shit at each other. <laughs> it's true. There wasn't much the formation. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, like, like I say, I've absolutely loved this film. Like it's, it's meant so much to me. Uh, and I've read like loads and loads of reviews. Um, like Roger, it, like it has split critics as well. So like Roger Ebert, who I know Dave, you're a big fan of. Like he gave it like four. He gave it like full marks, basically. Absolutely He's just a it. man. He, he, well, <laughs> respected film critic. Uh, but oddly enough, I read through all of the all of the reviews because like, it is a very interesting film to me. And all of the bad ones, what I realised when I was reading the reviews that didn't rate the Tree of Life, they all agreed on the two points, right? And the first one is that this film is visually stunning. Like, this film is just beautiful from start to finish. Uh, the cinematographer was Emmanuel uh, Lubezki, and he's worked with uh, Malik before. And they've, like, they've set, themselves, they set themselves such hard goals when they made this. They're just using natural light only all the way through it. And the way they filmed it as well was in to, to make it natural as possible, like to follow the actors uh, everywhere. So they could leave the house and they'd have, like, on, honestly, the actors would be in the in the house and if they wanted to leave if they thought that's where the scene was going the camera would have to follow them and they'd have children literally jumping ropes so the shots would still work outside it was just just incredible and just the sheer skill of Terence Malick he is, he is absolutely an incredible director it, just these shots 
are incredible all the way through it. It's, it's just beautiful. Like, um, and the way they did it is by not planning it all the way through. So it was off, it was a lot of just turn up on set, have a good idea of what was going to happen and then go with what's, what works. So for example, um, and you couldn't plan for these shots. So there's a bit where Jessica Chastain, uh, a butterfly comes and lands on a hand and that would have to be in special effects anywhere else. But in this, the crew followed Jessica Chastain down four different streets, chasing this butterfly just to, sh- just to capture the moment when it would land on a hand. Like just the skill and the, like the pure dedication throughout the entire of this film is, is just so evident all the way through it. And it's just an incredibly natural feel to it all, which, which really works in a film because it's a lot about nature and it's a lot about the beauty of what's around us the set design and the costume made it 50s texas but it didn't tie it down to like a specific place or time and like honestly the the, the amount of effort they put into it they even painted the walls a dark paint so it could focus on the skin and the expression every single shot in this film is beautifully created and it's absolutely crucial as like this film isn't conventional it's quite a different film it's like it's not like a film i think we've particularly done on the podcast before um, but in this, the image is the narrative, like the, the way that the, the way every single shot is placed absolutely perfectly to create progression throughout this entire film. And it, it is, you know, it, it, it's such a beautifully shot film sometimes that you could sort of, it, it's hard to some, some, sometimes as the defense to pick out exactly what you love about it. But to take a bit about, um, about halfway through the film, when you have the boys walking over a street. So they just start at one side of a street and, you know, you have them, they start by laughing at an old drunk and, you know, it's they, they, the kids come across as careless, cruel and innocent and they, they're still walking over, but like the film then sort of jumps a little bit in time and they see a disabled person walking past them the other way and all of a sudden they're not going to, you know, act out his walk. They, they're really powerfully affected by it and by the time they've crossed the road they then see criminals coming from the other side and the imagery, and the imagery makes the criminals look pitiable. So, you know, it, you could have just, you could just say it's two kids walking across the street but actually the powerful imagery is just incredible and that's all the way through the film. Every single image, every single shot has been so carefully thought about and, and, and honestly, for, for me, it's just so moving all of the way through it, you know? Um, it, it, as well as the, uh, as well as all the, um, images coming together beautifully, the performances are completely natural as well. So you've got, and, and like, it, like, like I say in this film, it's really hard to like take all the different elements apart because Terrence Malick didn't just say, right, I've, I've got this cast and I've got this script and I've got this, um, setting and I'm, you know, and let's see if it all works. It, it's all been done all at once and all together like the i know gav's not a, you're not a massive fan of brad pitt but this is for me his best performance ever not he, saying much to be honest <laughs> but it is he's absolutely incredible in this film um it he he shows the two you know i'll probably go into a bit later about what the film's about but he, he shows his 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 thing is to show the side of nature basically so he's uh he understands his role completely perfectly and even though he's a bit of a bastard in the film it's not a narrow view you know this is a film that is true to life um it's shown in like just as like like again so many images like he's um he's laughing with them he's playing with them but he's also quite hard man he's getting them out of bed uh by like just dragging the covers off and then you've got the you got the counterpoint when you've got jessica chastain coming and waking them up by laughing and playing with them you know the the, the performances in this film are just fantastic I, I won't go on for too long i feel like i could just talk about this film for honestly hours and hours and hours but just talking about how everything works together and how it's so natural 
I just want to talk about the children, which are just, they are just incredible. Like I work a lot with children and this child acting is for me possibly the best I've ever seen in any film. Like, and I, and I think what they did is because the whole film is basically, well, not the whole film, but a lot of it is taken from a child's perspective. They really needed to nail the child performances in it. And they absolutely have like, I don't, it's difficult to think of a film apart from maybe the Florida project where they've gotten a proper child, a child, a child's performance, not an idea of what an adult thinks a child acts like, but what a child actually acts like. Um, and I think it's because the camera was following them around. It's because of the natural way they filmed it. It's because they didn't put pressure. They didn't have a, a script particularly per se, or they'd have lines and stuff and they'd have to w- w- go through them during the day. But the whole way it's done means you get these incredible performances from the children. And this is where, this is the core of the film. It's, it's a, bit, a film about the meaning of life and it's a way of, you know, it's for children exploring the meaning of life by growing up. God, like I say, I could just talk about this forever. It's difficult to know when to stop and short. But like for, for me, for me, I think the thing that hit me the most is just working with children and seeing these incredible performances and seeing them, you know, deal with the issues of life, like death, like coming to terms with what criminals are, all of this stuff. I, I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. And I think it comes down to, like, like I say, for me, visually stunning and the performances just absolutely incredible. I think I've got to stop there because I could keep going on for hours and hours yeah please shut up <laughs> um okay so yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask you actually what the film is about um because uh, i got the uh, it's very kind of visually stunning and the way that they've made it and the way that it's shown it sounds really uh, um, beautiful but it's the film is essentially about the meaning of life uh, is it like a coming of age story is it the, the children uh, growing up and you're following like- like I say, it's completely unconventional film. Like Terence Malick's like completely pushing the boundary of what cinema can do. So he's not he's not doing a a story arc. He's not doing he's he's it's it's a film about life and it's a bit of, about two different ways of living your life, nature and grace in the film. But the 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 film it's very difficult to pin down. Like this is about this. It, it, it's. I know it's going to sound so pretentious, but it's true. Like this film is art. It's like cinema can be art and this film is art. And like you can, art can resonate with different people for different things. So I would say I took a great deal away from this film, but it might be that someone else who loves the film came away and could completely disagree with me. Um, but yeah, no, I, it's about a family in Texas. No, it's impossible almost to say what this film is literally about because it's, it encompasses, it's so ambitious it encompasses so much that to say it's about a family growing up is just ridiculous. <laughs> okay, right. Uh, thanks. Um, no, it, that's, <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. Just, I think you are. Because <laughs> you looked at me and laughed. <laughs> you started explaining that you went, no, it's actually about nothing. No, um, no, I'm, I'm joking. Right, so, uh, so Dave, right, Brucey said that it's visually stunning, uh, beautiful cinematography throughout. Uh, the way it's filmed sounds really nice. You know, it's a lot of natural lighting and it's a sort of like improvisational feel to it. The actors are allowed to kind of do what they want and with that, um, it also resulted in what Alex says is the best ever child acting he's ever seen and also the best performance by Brad Pitt which to me is surprising because he always looks like he's trying to remember what time his bus is arriving in every film he's in so first off Dave Brad Pitt is he brilliant in this his bus never arrives I have to say um, no no with regret he is not Brad Pitt I agree with Alex he's not a particularly good actor I don't particularly rate Brad Pitt and this film's not changed my mind about him right, but right we all can agree that Brad Pitt is a terrible actor yeah. but 
is he less terrible in this? Because I'm willing to admit that, you know, like I might be biased about Brad Pitt, but is he, does he give a good performance? Do you kind of, um, not it, does it stand out from other Brad Pitt performances? I feel is what a I'm bit saying. sorry for him and the rest of the cast. It is very difficult to give a good performance when you have nothing to work with, when your character has no arc, when your character has no real motivation. It's impossible to almost give a decent performance. You hit the nail on the head when you asked Alex, "What is this film about?" And Alex says it's impossible to say. It is. Not, this is essentially a film. I'm being cruel here, but this is essentially a film where nothing happens. What you see here is a film devoid of plot, devoid of structure, devoid of character, devoid of any character arc. Now, it looks good. I will admit the cinematography is beautiful. This is a very good-looking film. It is beautifully shot. There is no denying that. And I understand where Alex is coming from, where he says it's art. I don't believe this is cinema, however. I don't think this is a, a film as we know it. And we're not here to judge art. This isn't a podcast about art. This is a podcast about film. Cinema. And cinema. <laughs> and especially cinema. Cinema can be art, though, can't it? <laughs> but th- this film is trying to be, so we'll, we'll see. Well, cinema, we... yeah, no, but it just it can be art, can't it? Um, I guess, yeah. In some instances, it can be, but in this instance, I do feel that the film is devoid of any cinema-going substance. And I'll, I'll explain to you what I mean by that. Cinema, to me, is meant for the masses. There's a whole point of cinema. The way films are released, I know some some things go direct to DVD, direct to video, whatever. Most films are made to be seen en masse to a large audience in a big room, and it's meant to entertain. This film has failed in its fundamental principle, and it's failed as a film, because the majority of people that have seen this are not entertained. They do not like it. So art, perhaps, which is like you say, people can come away and make their own uh, ideas about it, have their own thoughts, but as a film, I do think this has fallen short substantially. And I just want to talk about a few of my points. I mean, Terrence Malick is a very divisive filmmaker to start with. Uh, he's the guy behind Badlands, Days of Heaven, Thin Red Line, and he's genuinely praised for, plays for his aesthetics, which in this film, no denying it, his aesthetics are beautiful. He has made a good-looking film here, but he's often criticised for his lack of plot and his lack of character development, and no denying it, those things are completely absent here. I don't think anyone gives a particularly good performance. I think you say, you mentioned before that each shot was so carefully thought about, and yet at the same time he's perfectly happy to warrant, follow Jessica Chastain around the streets for a couple of hours. It's, it's not particularly well thought out. He just sort of winged it. I feel. I think it was it was all very spur of the moment, very let's just see what happens, put it in film, and as long as I shoot it nicely, people will watch it and people will pay to see it. And I just don't think that's the way it should be, especially not with a $38 million budget, which I think is a little excessive for a vanity project. Uh, I meant more thought, like not thought through, like when it was in the editing process, I suppose, you know? Oh, yeah, no, no. Apparently he shot reams of footage, just went yeah. around. This is probably why it went so over budget. He shot reams of footage. Apparently you could make an entire film just following Sean Penn, yeah. apparently. But at, at a whopping two and a half hours, I mean, if, if length is enough to put the hateful eight on the on the shit list mm-hmm. <laughs> i think we should bear that in mind here two and a half let's hours. not think about previous shit <laughs> yeah. lists. I, guess not, I guess not but two and a half hours of film and i've got to say the dialogue in this film is, is minimalist you get like pretentious whisperings over the start of a scene where characters will like whisper a bible quote or whisper some kind of I don't even know, quotes that don't really make sense, that don't really seem to fit in with the scene that you're about to watch. And why are they whispering it anyway? I don't understand why. It just seems a pretentious way of delivering dialogue. The dialogue itself isn't really there. I mean, as Sean Penn uh, was in this film, he actually said he didn't particularly like it. He enjoyed reading the screenplay, 
which I don't know how, because there's very little dialogue here. There's very little, there's no story to it. There's no plot. But he said, um, he said, I couldn't find on screen the emotion of the script, which is one of the most magnificent scripts I've ever read. Uh, a clearer and more conventional narrative would have helped the film without, in my opinion, lessening its beauty and impact. Frankly, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing there and what I'm supposed to add in that context. What's more, Terry himself never managed to explain it to me clearly. And I think that pretty much sums up everyone's Everyone's. Of, uh, pretty much everyone's. <laughs> everyone's. Well, Everyone pre- apart from me and Terence Malick. Everyone pretentious. <laughs> oh, fuck you, dude. Like, Sean Penn basically got fucked over by Malick. And, like, a lot of actors have been fucked over by Malick in the, in the past. You know, you, you go to, you, you star in a Malick film, you tell all your friends, I'm going to be in a Terence Malick film, and then you end up on the cutting room floor. He is, he, he doesn't care about star quality. So I think what happened to Sean Penn is he thought he was going to be in the movie more, and he was just pissed off he wasn't. I don't think so. I mean, if you look at Sean's Penn's performance, it's not particularly good. He wakes up, he plays with the taps in his bathroom for a bit, no dialogue. Um, He goes to work, he puts in, you get like a snippet of a phone call with his dad, which doesn't really make sense. Like he says, oh, I'm sorry for what I said when RL died. And it's just, you never actually learn out how RL died, why he died, what it was he said. There's so many unanswered questions. So much, it's, it's like elements of a plot, but there's no plot and there's no structure to it. And Sean Penn just basically spends the rest of his time wandering around this, this building, which is beautifully shot, but basically wandering around a building looking confused, hungry. I'm, I'm not altogether sure what. And the performance at Brad Pitt, was a producer on this film. I think that's how he got the job. A number of people were were linked with the lead role of Mr. O'Brien. Um, but I think Brad Pitt being a producer greased the wheels, and that's ultimately how he got the role. And essentially, he just kind of walks slowly and meanders and plods through it, just kind of delivers his dialogue in a deadpan. I know he's not meant to be an overly emotional guy, but there's not much to this character. It's it's very forgettable, and it doesn't really... It, it brings nothing to the screen. And the, the characters are completely underused. The cast are completely underused. You know, the kids do a decent job, I will admit, but th- there's not really any substance to their character. There's not really any understanding of who they are, who they're meant to be, what are they going to grow into. And I think that I'm talking about cast being underused. Fiona Shaw uh, is in it for about 50 seconds. I think at one point, uh, Irish actress Fiona Shaw, fantastic actress, but 50 seconds. And I had to read the credits to find out who she was. In the credit, she's credited as grandmother. And I had no idea that she was meant to be Jessica Chastain's mom. It is just not hinted at in any way, shape, or form. The film is not explained. Like Sean Penn said, Terence Malick never actually explained to Sean Penn what it was he wanted him, what his vision was. And I don't think Terence Malick explained to anyone involved in this production what it was he wanted from them. And as a result, everyone leaves this film. Okay, you know, everyone, not everyone. But a lot of people, a considerable number of people left this film think, confused. You, you stood as outside to what... of a cinema asking people <laughs> if they were confused about the film. Like, where are you getting this from? I'm getting this from IMDb, from critics. Yeah, yeah, to Dave, 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 you, you are generalizing slightly, am I, I, I might am, say. I am generalizing. I am generalizing. But a lot of people left the cinema. He's doing it again. A lot of people, <laughs> judge. I've read, criti- I've read people's reviews on IMDb where they said people were walking out and asking, for their money back yeah well i mean that happens in a yeah, lot of films yeah, but, so, yeah, it's, yeah, but a lot of uh, uh, like you know i've got critics here oh, sorry. i've got i've got sukdev sandhu from the daily telegraph who says the film is self-absorbed achingly slow almost buckling under the weight of its own swoony poetry i've got uh, yeah, but you could do this with everything <laughs> listen i don't care what uh, these these reviewers have said dave i'm 
care about your opinion here, all right? I'm just yeah. saying, Alex you is can... saying, what, did I go outside and ask people? I'm saying, no, I've researched this. <laughs> I'm going to tell you both here, I couldn't give a shit about Roger Ebert or some guy from the Telegraph. <laughs> just tell me what you think. Right. Right, can I just jump in? Just yeah, very yeah, go right. for it. You've so, been doing so all along. Okay. <laughs> so, like, you know, I, I think this isn't a conventional film, you know. I, th- I think a lot of what Dave said, you know, you could say, say it's true, but I think you're judging it towards a film that is more conventional. It's a Terrence Malick film, so it's a bit like going to a Michael Bay film and expecting them to be a point. You know, if you go into a, My- a Terrence Malick film, it is going to be unconventional. It is going to be pushing the boundaries. You need people, you need auteurs like Terrence Malick out there pushing the boundaries of what is possible in cinema. And that is what he's doing. You know, Dave said films should be there to please as many people as possible. And I just completely disagree. I think, yeah, focus group stuff is great at times. You know, the Marvels, that's all focus groups out of existence. But you need you know you need films like this that are just one man's vision and it is clearly Terrence Malick putting across his beautiful vision of this film which was he thought about for years and years and years this is not just to turn up put some footage on and see what it you know it's a very clear point to this film it's a very clear story it was a very clear arc to all of the characters I completely disagree with what or pretty much all of Dave said and like you know yeah, sometimes it's good to see films that are there to please as many people but I disagree that all films should be this is cinema when it's just this is what it is. It's a beautiful thing. You can like it, it can resonate with you, or it can't, or, or it can't. but there is something there. And I think when I talk to a lot of people, not, 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 not Dave necessarily, but when I talk to people about The Tree of Life, it's like, oh, it's pretentious, there's nothing to it. And it's absolutely not true. Like, there's lots to it. It might not resonate with you, it might not be your thing, that's fine, but there's an awful lot to The Tree of Life. It's incredible. Dave, were you finished on your point before I move on to the character witnesses? I'll, I'll just come back to what, what Alex said there. Um, I, this film is quite pretentious. There's no denying it. And, and although it is original, it is like it's not a conventional film. He's writing that, and I think it suffers for it. I enjoyed the film less. Like everyone, like uh, I say, I was about to say everyone again. Sean Penn. <laughs> it's actually one man. It's not even many people this time. Like Sean Penn was saying. A more conventional narrative would have helped the film. It would have made it more accessible. If you're trying to get a message out there, which is what you're saying Terrence Malick's trying to do, surely you want your message to reach as many people as possible, not cut people off, not isolate them. What he's essentially tried to do is make a film so esoteric that only the most... I I don't know. I don't want to use the word pretentious again, but only people who are trying to think like him, who want to try and get into Terrence Malick's mind, can take anything away from it. And I don't think that's what cinema's about. I really do think if you've got a message and you want to get it out there, you make it available, you make it accessible. Mm. And he's failed in that point. And although, yeah, what he's tried to do here, I suppose, is, is sort of original, but I do think he's tried to be this generation's 2001 A Space Odyssey, trying to encapsulate some of those themes and the, the, the grandness of it all. And I just don't think he's pulled it off with the same finesse. I, I say 2001 because he was influenced by it quite clearly, I'd say, with its grandiose themes. And also, he even got the same special, same special effects same guy, special Douglas, Douglas Turnbull. Turnbull yeah, 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 same special effects guy on board. Um, and yeah, that's what, that's what I feel. I, I can't deny it. Alex, do you feel like you've sufficiently rebutted? Yeah, no. I mean, it's interesting to hear what Dave says, to be honest, because it's you know, no, it's it, I, I, I do get his point. I don't agree with him, but. I do see, you know, especially when you're saying about, you know, make it, if you've got a message, make it as accessible as possible. But I think this, like for me, this message is so all in, it's so ambitious to try and get this message that he wants to get across, which hopefully I'll try and explain in a little bit that, um, that that I understand that he couldn't do it in a conventional way because it's not, it's not a conventional message. It's not a message you could put in a, 
in a family drama. It's not a fa- message you could just put in. You know, it, it needed. Then why, it needed then why it. try and do so? Because, well, no, not try, succeed. Then why bother? <laughs> <laughs> why make me sit through two and a half hours of it? Hey. Right, right, Dave, come on, right, you, you, you've to take the knife out of Bruce's back now. Uh, <laughs> right, can I please ask uh, the character witnesses uh, or witness um, what they what they actually think? What, what I want to know here is firstly. Um, is is there a kind of uh, I know that there's no conventional story arc but does that matter do you think that you know it needed a structure a, a more defined structure in place and also what do you think of the characters within the film I mean are you two both going to talk about characters in a bit more detail no there's nothing more to say there are no characters <laughs> <laughs> sorry Alex Alex oh. are you going to talk about characters in a bit more detail no but on? I like Dave less <laughs> <laughs> right okay so Joel and Austin uh, if you could tell me if there's any sort of um are you affected by the characters at all you know do, do you have any um ties to them? uh well i mean i, d- I don't want to be too negative i kind of agree with alex in that the, the film is very art like but when i read the synopsis you can take this whatever way you want i read it and thought this is not a film that's going to appeal to me whatsoever and watching that film like because there's no plot, it's very, very difficult to kind of connect with the characters. There's no kind of motivation for any of them. You never really... For me, like, I was watching the film and I thought, where's it going? You know what I mean? There's no kind of climax. There's no um, there's no events or anything like that that kind of lead you to think the film is possibly going to end soon. After two hours, I was sat there thinking, fucking hell. Like, when is the actual end of this film going to be? And I think that's just because, really, of the lack of plot and the fact that you you don't care about the characters. I think it probably appeals to certain people, uh, pretentious people. (laughs) 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 No, no. Um, But, yeah, I I think it's it's definitely a a Marmite film, which is probably why we've we've had it here. And it, it may be that it just doesn't appeal to me and doesn't strike like the right chords with me, but I just found myself drifting off and I was completely bored. Okay, um, Austin, is this one of the four films that you've watched? He'd watched nine last week because yeah, he I watched managed that. to unwatch some. I feel like, um, yeah, I've missed out on quite a lot of uh, cinematic greats, I think. By doing this uh, Marvel marathon, <laughs> and, uh, so so I I, um, I did I did catch the trailer um, like a little cinematic trailer off um, is it Netflix that it's on at the moment Trailer Life. Um, okay, so, so I did watch that, <laughs> so and I felt like this would be, uh, and I felt like this would be something I'd be really into because it looks beautiful. But um, but I couldn't, I can't possibly comment on the characters. I'm really sorry. Thanks, <laughs> but, Austin. <laughs> yeah. No, no, thanks. Yeah. Did the sorry, trailer? Though, did the trailer make you want to watch the film? I think it did. Yeah, it looked really good. It looked like a really good. Um, I mean, it's easy to make something look good in two and a half minutes, but it looked like a really nice take on say not, not nice take but like a really interesting take on like the loss of uh you know of, of a loved one i don't yeah. know whether that's got anything to do with the film but it, that's it what does. it came across I, like i I'd, I'd actually say in like you know podcasts i, I do think you'd actually like the film was it's like beautifully shot <laughs> <laughs> you, do, you, you, you like your visuals so i think you'd definitely yeah. be into it <laughs> right listen um sorry d- does um do you have a second point guys yeah, I could talk a little more. I could talk more. <laughs> I could talk more. Oh, please. That's fine. <laughs> 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 
Right, okay, starting with Dave. I don't know what the hell you're going to talk about, but on, stick it in some more. Okay. <laughs> right, well, I've, I've pretty much talked about the uh, the excessive length of the film, to be honest with you. Uh, I've talked about the lack of characters and the lack of plot. And although I will admit, this film looks beautiful. This f- film is beautifully shot, but so is Blue Planet. So was Planet Earth. So was Carl Sagan's Cosmos. All the bits we talk about when we see... Hang on, Dave. But they don't necessarily have a plot either, or characters. No, but at least there's a voiceover explaining what the piss is going on, which is what we could have done with here. There's a 17-minute section, 17 minutes, no dialogue, with the formation of the universe, where it just basically starts with the Big Bang, planets being melded, you know, stars aligning and all that sort of stuff. And it's 17 minutes long, which is longer than it needed to be. And beautiful, yes, it, it, it certainly is. But like I say, nature documentaries have done this first. And they are no less beautiful, to be honest. With you. And they're not costing $32 million to produce. And they're not putting themselves uh, on screen in cinemas and asking people to pay X amount of money to come see them. It's like, this, this film might be, may well be art, but I do feel it would have been better off in an art gallery somewhere, maybe cut up into 10, 15 minute segments and just being screened in the Tate or something like that. Maybe that was the audience this was intended for. Maybe that's what it, where it should have gone instead of trying to get this mainstream cinematic release, instead of getting mainstream Hollywood stars to try and trick people to come and see the film. It, it just... <clears throat> Trick it people all, to come and see the film. To trick people to come and see the film. I was tricked. When I first watched this film, how were you tricked? How were you tricked, Dave? I thought it was sold to me as a family drama starring Sean Penn. Did Brad Pitt love film? Love film synopsis. Brad Pitt, Sean Penn, Jessica Chastain. I thought that's a good cast. You know, this might be worth a watch. And boy, I was not expecting what I got. It was it was very disappointing. I would just say, don't mistake this pointlessness for being deep. Don't mistake like having an, an esoteric agenda to, to being meaningful or sophisticated. Don't conclude that just because something's not explained well enough that it's beyond the grasp of the everyday cinema goer. You know, cinema oh should God. not, <laughs> cinema should not the be of the everyday <laughs> cinema goer. <laughs> Dave, I didn't realize you were the, such a man of the people. Yeah. <laughs> the man of the everyday <laughs> cinema goer. Dave, it's like, I wish we had a picture of the everyman <laughs> right now. He's sat here with his monocle and his top hat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, to, to be honest, listeners, you can probably turn off now because Dave is speaking on behalf of all of you. <laughs> I'm just saying that it's just because Alex says, oh, some people just don't get it. I hate those words. Oh, you didn't get it. Like, it's beyond I did, your... Well, I didn't say those words. You said something to the effect of, and it's like... No, oh, it's no, beyond, no, I didn't. It's beyond your intellect no, to grasp the I literally did not say those words. Oh, my just, God. This is getting out of hand. This is like watching a... Order, order, it's just like watching a Brucey Gav battle. You're going to have to calm the freak down, to be honest. I'm perfectly calm. I'm just trying to get my points across. (laughs) Keep your points. Just be honest, Dave. (laughs) Right, right, right. okay, Dave, finish your rant. I'm I'm done, I'm done. Take it away. Right, okay, Dave, are you sure you finished? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, Brucey, I'm not even going to give you the chance to reboot. You're just going to have to incorporate them into your argument. Yeah, 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 no, sure. I'll I'll be fairly quick like you know it's, it's coming to that kind of last point that dave was talking about there which is you know the the a main thing against this film is it's pretentious and it's it's kind of like very beautiful but it's airy and it's actually got nothing grounded and it the, like it couldn't be further from 
the truth. Like, I'm not saying that people don't get it. I'm not saying that people aren't clever enough to get it. I think everyone can watch this film and I think, you know, anyone could, it could resonate with different people. It either resonates with you, it doesn't. It's not about intellect. It's not about getting it. It's just about whether it, whether it touched, you know, whether it, it hits you or not. And, you know, I don't think it's, it's, it obviously hasn't done that for Dave and Joel, but it massively did for me. It has, but in a, in a very, very, in a very different negative way. way. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, like I said, uh, like there is a massive point to this film and it's stated right at the beginning. You know, I think it's actually quite clear for me. Uh, it's talking, you know, she talks about nature and grace. There's two ways of living your life and Brad Pitt's for nature. It's the relentless, it's violent, it's self-serving. You know, he says at the beginning, you trick, deceive and, you know, you're always devouring. I think the line is something like, you know, to get ahead, you always need to take advantage of, of other people. Um, you know, to it, it's better to be it's better to trick people basically, and, and you know, th- this is that's his side of living, you know, and this is what the the son, the young Sean Penn, has to try and cope with this the difference between nature from the Brad Pitt and then the grace, which is from Jessica Chastain, which is you know, and she says this, you know, the dialogue, which is you know, yeah, it's sometimes whispered, not pretentiously, just whispered, is you know, she says, help each other, love everyone, love every leaf, every ray of light. Uh, forgive you know and it's and it's this thing about you know brad pitt's more the you know you got to be loved you have to be great you have to be something else basically you have to be more you have to be more you have to be more which is often what you know we can feel in in our lives you know so it does to go to the everyday person's life as well i think it like for jessica chastain it's just to be loved because of who you are and to love others for who they are and and for for, to, to enjoy the like the world that's around us don't turn your back on all of the beauty that's around us you know which was a message that really struck a chord with me you know dave was talking about the the, the, the really long space sequence you know it is 17 minutes i'm not gonna lie you know it was yeah that that is a very long time to be doing the space sequence i thought I, I was just astonished in the cinema i was just bowled over i just thought it was incredible i just thought the ambition of it to, to start off with the death which is really beautifully acted and then to go back and to talk, you know, she mentions about the, the nature and the grace and you're, and you're in the cinema, you're thinking, I don't, what, what, what is she talking about? So it goes right back to the Big Bang. And I just thought, God, the ball's on Terrence Malick to tell a story properly. He's got to go back to the Big Bang. And I just thought, yes, go for it. You know, the ambition of it was just amazing. Yes. And what it's doing there, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like what it's doing there. Is this is a film which's showing life in like macro and, and microcosm. So it's got this, you know, it's got the beginning of the universe and it's got the nature, the overarching nature. It's got, you know, beautiful shots of eclipses, suns. And you're like Douglas Turnbull doing an amazing job, uh, you know, in very innovative effects as well. They hadn't done that before. And um, then it shows a microcosm of how, of how nature and grace actually come together. So like I say, you've got Brad Pitt on one side and you've got the mum on the other side. And how like in the, in the, in the boy's life, these conflict and cause agony for the boy and the injustice of life you know with his brother's death uh you know you turn away from uh he turns away i think it's quite a religious film as well from terence malick's point of view he's clearly like a, definitely a theist um and it shows you know it shows us like through this through like a child's eyes mainly as like for, for me i think it's you know this is a film about uh the meaning of life and you know people can say oh, oh shit that's pretentious but no like i from my point of view all children are philosophers like all children yearn to know what everything means so i think what terence malick did was to explore life he wanted to go to a children's perspective who are naturally philosophers um you know i, I dave was saying before as well that like the um the the there's no arc there's no there's no character there's no plot i actually couldn't disagree more like i I think it's like it's remembering your own childhood so like let's just take one part of the film like when the boy begins to do wrong you know he's grown up 
um, and, and he, he begins to start doing wrong things. And it conveys perfectly the drama of being a child. You know, these aren't massive, big things that the boy's doing. He starts by, you know, he, he, I think he, he kills a frog. He smashes a window. He um, then breaks it. He, get, he goes in and um, breaks into a house and steals uh, things. You know, and then it, um, that, that's really beautifully done, like incredibly beautifully done. And it shows the drama, the fear you have as, as of being a child. And for me, you know, another thing that really resonated was that um, when you start being bad and you feel like, you know, you, you hate, he hates his father, he can't connect with his mother, he can't see him, he's so ashamed of himself and he's on this path of doing the wrong thing. Again, it's not these massive big plot points, but it's just, it, it's done so well and just so like being a child. Um, you know, this, the, the isolation he feels that he can't be b- b- being forgiven. And then finally, towards the end, he, um, he, he hurts the brother. So his little brother who, you know, he's always been jealous of and that, that relationship's done absolutely beautifully. You know, he uses the brother's trust. He, he puts his finger over the ed- end of a pellet gun and shoots his finger and does like this terrible event, which, you know, if you didn't see it in throughout the rest of the film, you'd think it wasn't that bad, but it's so well done. And it's so shocking. And it's so, to be honest, reminded me exactly of what it was like when I was a kid. It, you know, it just, it completely took me back to that moment. And then when later on the most beautiful scene, when he asked for forgiveness and it's given them and, you know, yeah, this isn't a big film where it's a big, massive plot point, And, you know, it, it's a very small microcosm of what life is actually like. And it, it just rang so true for me. This film just all the way through just rings true. So I, I, I'm so glad it, it got made. Uh, Dave, quick rebuttal, quick. Yeah, I just I felt like I should have interrupted with some swearing there. I'm sure that was a lot longer than any of my points. So, I want to say about the biblical allegory. Uh, yeah, it's a very biblical. The film opens with a quote from Job. And Terence Malick kind of rams these biblical themes down your throat. There's this end scene where people aren't sure if it's meant to be heaven or if it's just a vision or whatever it is, where Sean Penn meets his family. There's a bit at the end of that. This film is quite semi-autobiographical. Sean Penn's character is meant to be a younger Terence Malick. You know, he had a brother named LR, not RL in this case, who did die at 19 and so on and so forth. There's this scene with his mom saying, I give you my son which is basically a quote of, from Mary from the Bible. And I don't know whether she means her son that died, she's making a peace with that, or if she's talking about Terence Malick, kind of like, I give you my son, ladies and gentlemen, God's gift to the world, Terence Malick. No. I don't know what to make of it. It was the dead son. She was but there's a definitely God. biblical theme through it. I, there's, that one left a bit of a bitter taste in my mouth, to be honest with you. Why? And it just, it, because it was just so self-absorbed. And self-contrived. Because it, it was biblical. <laughs> not just because it was biblical, because he's making himself kind of a messianic figure here. This is no, his story. Not. Very well, much Terrence so. Malick. No, Very not. much so. Look, I feel I should have interrupted more here. <laughs> Dave, Dave, I'll give you a couple of minutes now to just no, shoot it's all fine, over. it's fine, it's fine, it's right, fine. Joel, um, being the person who's seen the film out of the two character witnesses, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything you would like to add there? Uh, right, okay, um, firstly... Um, what Dave was just saying there about uh, biblical references, do you think that they are conveyed well in the film? Do you think they're, they're all necessary? Mainly is Terence Malick saying that he's the son of God. Uh, Brucey has said that, you know, he doesn't think it's very pretentious at all in the film. It's actually very ambitious, uh, beautifully filmed. Um, and the, the plot actually, it is existent and it, it's all about reminding you of your own childhood. And, you know, it kind of resonates with different people in different ways. Uh, Dave says that's bullshit, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do ag- 
believe personally that it does resonate with different people in different ways. But for me, it didn't resonate with me at all. So I was fucking asleep. And so if there were any subliminal biblical messages, I didn't, I didn't get them. I mean, I, I can, I've, I've not seen the You've film. You've not seen but it, isn't, speak it. But isn't the tree of life itself is a biblical, biblical. reference, isn't it? Yeah, that's, yeah. Gen, that's in the book of Genesis. It's, so it's, you know, Genesis, so it's, it's going to be like without even seeing it. It's pretty obvious it's going to be along that sort of line that it's going to have some some massive religious connotations well, like say, to it. It, it or, opens with a, a quote from the book of Job, so yeah. you it's, know it's which pretty, line he's taken. It's quite religious, but I wouldn't say it was like Christian all the way from yeah. necessarily. Right, okay, um, enough enough of this. Right. Guys, you're going to have your closing statements. Um, you're going to have a minute to uh, tell me anything that you might have missed off and to kind of drill home your final points. Um, so your minute, uh, I'm going to go first with Brucey as the defense. Your minute begins three, two, one. No. So for me, this film was just incredible. Like I say, I saw it at the cinema. I've seen it three times now. I'm sort of spacing it out because I don't want to sort of uh, watch it too many times. I'm just going to space it out throughout my whole life. I do love this film an incredible amount. I do, you know, I, I don't mind people sort of, you know, disagreeing and not liking it. But, you know, I think the thing that always annoys me is when people say it's like oh, pretentious does, does get me get, get, get me going when it's about the tree of life. There is a lot to it. It might not resonate with people. I'm not saying that that's like intellect or anything like that. It just doesn't resonate with everyone. It's beautifully shot. It's amazingly shot. The performances are incredible from the children above all else, but also from Brad Pitt and Jessica Chastain. It, it, it honestly, and I, and I say this well, like it has honestly altered my like the, my way of looking at life. Like it really, really, genuinely has. And the film comes together absolutely beautifully at the end when Sean Penn sees the the nature on the buildings. It's just such a incredible bringing together of the entire film. It's amazing. Thank you very much, Alex. Dave, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, your minute uh, to convey everything that you want to say starts. Now, I also agree with Alex. I don't want to watch this film too many times either. <laughs> all in all, the film is over-contrived and inaccessible for many viewers. I'm all for filmmakers trying to push the boat out and trying to do something original, but not every attempt at being artistic needs to be praised as such. This film would have made a better impression in an art gallery, and I mean that as a compliment. I really do. But we don't sit around discussing art. We discuss films. And as a film, this leaves a lot to be desired. Performances are drab. Each scene is only connected to the next by the loosest of tangents. It's made more and more impossible to develop characters or give any sense of what you're trying to convey. They get a chance to play out some poignant moments, but all in all, they buckle under Malik's pretensions and self-absorption. Don't confuse pretentiousness for sophistication. Shit, Dave, you raced wow. through that, <laughs> Holy flip, man. This was a very, 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 very tough decision, man. I haven't even come to a final decision, so I think we'll break it up by doing a little bit of a quiz, shall we? I think keep. I think we need lighten the tone. Light. <laughs> we do. We definitely need to lighten the tone here. <laughs> that was slapstick. That did it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm just bumbling all over the place here. Okay, right. So um, we've got uh, a, a bit of a quiz here. I've, I've actually got a song for the quiz. Um, you ready? Okay. Um, uh, rocking around 
the malik tree of life with pen and pit. <laughs> Everyone's dancing miserably, except for Brucey, who's loving it. <laughs> is, is, wait, is that, is that your judgment or the... <laughs> it's ambiguous. Like the no, film, we no, can take no. that. We can take that judgment. Okay, so now uh, this quiz is all about... I'm going to ask you guys... Well, I'm going to put forward eight things, and you've got to tell me whether they are, are a type of tree or um, a member of... Of the Marvel comic book alien race, <laughs> the Cree, in a quiz I like to call Cree or Cree. Did you, you just think of things that ran with tree? I know, and then just <laughs> work back from there. <laughs> uh, don't question my methods, man. Uh, okay, number one, Dogwood. Alex, tree or Cree? Tree. Cree. Tree. Tree. I, can't just, I couldn't even tell what you said. It was true or creepy. I know we all mumble, so it's boom, quite difficult. Boom, boom. <laughs> um, uh, well done, Alex. It's tree. Uh, distinguished by their blossoms, berries, and bark, aka like most trees. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, Devros. Tree or Cree? Uh, Cree. I'm going to go for uh, Cree. Cree. Tree. Oh, I see all you had to do was follow them. I know, I know. I wasn't listening to them. <laughs> no, it was, it was Cree. Uh, former Grand Admiral in the Cree Empire. Yeah. Okay, no. number three, Hornbeam. Tree or Cree? Tree. Tree. Tree, tree, tree. <laughs> uh, I think Ozzy answered for me there But I'm going to go for Cree <laughs> Joel you should have just let Ozzy answer for you it's, uh, it's, up for the last one. it's a tree uh, 30 to 40 species occur In temperate regions of the northern hemisphere Goodness Okay number 4 Dimples Tree or Cree? Cree Cree That sounds like the, the little cute one of the gang So I'm going to go for Cree I'm going to say Cree as well uh, Yeah you're alright it's Cree um, Stationed on Dreslaw under Corel, uh, they were eventually killed by Gamora. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. Uh, spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. Um, okay, number five, flagpole. Tree or Cree? Mm, tree. Cree. Cree. Tree. Oh, half of you got it right, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was Cree. Oh, um, and everything I just said about the previous one, you can repeat for this because it's the same. <laughs> Uh, number six, Buckthorn. Tree or Cree? Tree. Cree. Tree. Tree. Uh, so I can't remember who said what, but it's a tree. Um, uh, <laughs> the purging Buckthorn is named after the laxative effects its berries induce while <laughs> when eaten. So, did you accidentally wow. slice your arm on that tree? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, uh, my father was a purging Buckthorn. <laughs> uh, number seven, Tiptoe. Tree or Cree? Cree. 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 Yeah, you're all right, Cree. Exactly the same as the uh, other ones as well. <laughs> and number eight, Madrone. Tree or Cree? Cree. Cree. Tree. Tree. Yeah, well done. It's a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Evergreen that belongs to the Heather family. So, yeah, okay. have that. Have that. Anyway, right, on to the, the, final, the final bit, man, the decision. This is a very, very, very tough one. More so because I really need a wee. Um, 
So, uh, uh, you know, it's, it has been very difficult because I don't think ever before on this show have we had, like, two genuine opinions that are very, very polar opposite and so passionate as well. I mean, I, I really liked what Alex was saying about how beautifully shot it was. Uh, you know, it does sound like such a visually stunning piece of cinema. Um, you know, I, I specifically liked the improvisational bits and the, when you were talking about the natural light as well. Uh, you can't get away from what Dave was saying, though, about no character developments and no story uh, but I do think that Brucey kind of counteracted that a bit and said you know well, it doesn't really need a play painted by numbers sort of story where this happens and then this happens you kind of watch the film and you take away bits uh, you know it resonates with some people and it doesn't resonate with others um, Dave you know kind of a point that hits home for me <laughs> I, I hate it. I hate watching films and you think about how much money has been spent on it and if I don't like the film I think about the money and I think that could have gone to some something better uh, but to be honest 38 million isn't really that massive amount in comparison to other films but it is still a big amount um Dave you know I think pretentious is the theme throughout here uh, you said that 17-minute section of the Earth being formed at the beginning, that was a bit OTT. Um, I mean, but Alex kind of explained that it was it was quite well done. I, I'm just going to go ahead here, guys, and I'm really sorry, but I think I'm going to place this on the hit list. Hey, wow. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Really? Seriously? Yeah, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking that I appreciate everything Dave said, and understandably, like, I, I do not like pretentious films, but I think Alex is right here in that it, this isn't a film that's for everyone and you're not going to watch a Terrence Malick film and expect it to have, you know, the, this coherent story or to kind of have anything more to it. It's like, you know, I think Brucey um, covered it by saying it's like, you know, going to see a Michael Bay film and expecting like no explosions. And I think that if if this is the type of film that you're after, I think that this can really kind of, when Brucey said it really altered the way of looking at life, you know, I think, well, if it can affect somebody like that, then I don't think that it can really be a bad somebody film. Somebody like that. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> I was going to say someone is called hearted but the thing is is that i know that if i watch this film i will absolutely hate it but the fact is that like my opinion to it like me kind of watching it and knowing that i think that it would be pretentious and drawn out I do think for every one of me, there are probably a lot. There's at least a Brucey. Yeah, there's at least there's at least one Brucey who uh, who who thinks that it's a very kind of like the Matrix in that uh, everything is perfectly balanced, and for every one of you, there really is a Brucey who who, who, who loves the film. So So if you think about it, I love it enough for everyone. So so Dave, I'm really really sorry, mate, but it is on the hit list. The so, film is as boring as this fucking podcast has been. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joel. So, okay, apologies to all the listeners who have had to sit through this, by the way. Because, um, uh, anyway, um, okay. <laughs> I'm just saying because Joel just said it's very boring. I feel it was all right, to be honest. But you know what? Uh, Screw you. Um, anyway, right, so genuine opinions. I feel like both of you have conveyed your genuine <laughs> genuine opinions. And I think uh, so of uh, Joel. Bru- uh, also, you didn't even bother watching it, mate. So no, I didn't. But uh, <laughs> based on that, I, actually, I, I, based, I would have picked a hit list as well based on that. Yeah. And I think I'm going to watch it after that. Okay. I reckon you'll like it, Ozzy, because you're I'll kind of it, yeah. on the pretentious side as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
listen, do not have a go at Ozzy. Ozzy's beret wearing, turtleneck wearing, double cheek kissing. <laughs> anyway, li- li- listen, listen, right, okay. Uh, higher or lower? We're going to play higher or lower. Higher or lower than Hateful Eight? Higher. Uh, on, uh, I actually know. On IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes? Well, well you stay to the last, Dave. All right. Mm. Then uh, lower. 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 Ozzy, yeah. What was, what was Hateful Eight again? Uh, 7.8. Higher. Definitely lower. Okay. Br- Brucey? Uh, what, on IMDb, yeah. I think it's 6.8. Yeah, you're right, 6.8. But yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes, it's 88%. So okay. Dividing mm. the internet as well. Right, dividing the internet. So it is literally one of those my films. You either do love it or you do hate it. Um, so, right, thank you. <laughs> Just Got to, definition there, yeah. <laughs> I can close this Oxford English Dictionary for the time being. Um, right, so uh, the only other thing to do here is to do our caption contest. So every week I take a snippet of the film, a screenshot, if you will, and I ask all of our friends and followers to put a caption to it. Uh, this week it was a picture of, I imagine, Sean Penn on his knees at the beach um, uh, I mean, I it. was it that or was it not well, I don't know I mean I imagine it is anyway I asked all of our friends and followers to provide captions and we had a record number um, when I say record it's the first time that we've got naught um, <laughs> <laughs> so nobody wins a Freddo this week um, so if we were to go around Joel what would, what would your caption have been um, probably really great had I seen the picture <laughs> <laughs> Right, you know what, it doesn't matter. Anyway, right. so while this show has been going on, uh, we have also drawn the next film to be reviewed out of the hat, and that film is Suicide Squad. <laughs> so that should be a good one. Um, we've also pulled the roles out of the hat as well, and the roles in defense of Suicide Squad, good luck, is uh, Joel. So, um, yeah, uh, how are you feeling about that one, mate? I'm excited <laughs> yeah and you sound it because we went to the cinema together to see suicide squad and so you can't all say it wasn't memorable even if it was for a <laughs> right, uh, and the prosecution is me uh, acting as the judge is going to be captain dave and as character witnesses it's going to be brucey obviously you are not here um next week oh you're recording next week yeah I'll send you a review. <laughs> thanks, man. Thanks. I'll watch it on the plane and I'll send you um, my thoughts. So. Okay, so, um, yeah, just the last thing to say is thank you very, very much to everybody who has listened to this apparently boring episode. Thanks, Joel. <laughs> thanks, Joel. <laughs> and thank you to everyone who has listened to all the other hopefully less boring episodes. You can catch all of our future episodes on iTunes or on our website, filmsontrial.co.uk. Why don't you give us a follow on Twitter, at FilmTrials. You can, you can uh, suggest films for us to put in the hat, and we will, and we will eventually review them. While you're on Twitter, check out our collaborators and good friends, Austin Ray and Winston Sang, at Aussie Ray and at the underscore quirks, respectively. And also check us out on other social media, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube films on trial. So thank you very much, everyone. The tree of life is on the hit list and it's a very mixed day. (laughs) (laughs) If you wanted me to quit guys, you could have just said Dave, it's time for you to leave the podcast. (laughs)